0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for everything that matters from life, liberty, property, humanity, society, safety, security, culture, and justice and truth. It's all on the table. There are no self evident truths in our political system anymore with this uniparty. But God's self-evident truths still do exist here at CR Podcast. This is our great national town hall. Daniel Horowitz back here today for Thursday, March 30th, almost done with the first quarter of this year. And what have we accomplished? We have a greater so-called conservative movement than ever before. More organizations, more media, more tweets, more Fox appearances, more noise, more but the Democrats. All of the means, means with an N and memes with an M, but no ends, no achievements, no outcomes. It's all about the process, just making noise while injustices, immorality, falsehood prevails throughout every sector of our society, culture, economy, affecting every aspect of life, liberty, and property. Every day, I don't know where to start. Another train derailment today, a town evacuated, Raymond, Minnesota. Um, It's an ethanol derailment. And I was thinking, I don't know the circumstances of that derailment. We'll see what happens there. But that in itself, ethanol, is something that never would have existed without the theft and immoral, illegal boot of government. Every sector of our economy is, is fake. Everything is fake. So we had this great messiah complex promise eight years ago that Trump was going to make America great again. We are worse off. And I don't just mean you could say, oh, well, well, that's, you know, two years into Biden. But no, it was before that, too. It was on every single front. And today I want to talk about two of those fronts where Trump screwed his base profoundly. Crime and COVID. Crime and COVID. Okay, I mean, that's safety in society, and COVID really is everything from life, liberty, property, fiscal, economy, you name it. But somehow, it doesn't matter, because we're all just here to make noise and own the libs, own the libs. Now, to start off the crime thing, very apropos, our sponsor today is Patriot Academy. All of us love defending guns, you know, now with the National School shooting, yes, guns, no guns. We love debating it in terms of policy, but again, in terms of outcomes, do you actually know how to use one properly and win a gunfight? Um, Patriot Academy, they run the best constitutional defense handgun training, courtesy of Rick Green and his boys, out at Fredericksburg, Texas. We're having their inaugural uh, defense training course on their campus. Typically, we went to Front site Nevada. and um, the first one is, and it's getting close, but you could still register. A couple more spots left. April 23rd, you could meet yours truly. I will be there at least for the first three days. Um, it's a five-day course. Uh, everything from trigger control, picture and sight alignment, clearing malfunctions, the proper five-point draw from the holster, uh, clearing malfunctions as we mentioned uh, just amazing experience shooting out there in the in the you know texas hills very nice time of the year by the way uh, although they do have courses every few weeks throughout the spring if you don't want to see me or if you do but just can't make it patriotacademy.com slash daniel uh, it's 500 dollars for a two thousand dollar value uh, so really good time to take a spring break especially if you're retired living in Texas, Oklahoma area come on down you let, let's strategize together let's let's shoot together. it is just so much fun. I wish we could do this more often um, and I hope to do it more often. if you have any questions email Rick's kids at defense at patriotacademy.com and then register again at slash Daniel. So the message, the simple message from the Bible that I see speaking to us politically, those of us that are kind of homeless and looking at the fake Republican Party, fake conservative movement, the, the MAGA Trump Inc., which is really nothing more than just taking everything Republican Con Inc. did for so many years and just putting it all into Trump um, without building a, a wholesome movement dedicated towards using our leverage on outcomes, outcomes, outcomes on the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter. So, Jeremiah 7, 21 really, really speaks to me at this time. So says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings upon your sacrifices and eat flesh. For neither did I speak with your forefathers nor did I command them on the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning a burnt offering or a sacrifice but this thing did I command them So first off just just the pivot you have a whole you know whole portion of Leviticus dealing with sacrifices and the intricacies of the burnt offering the peace offering But lest you think that that is an end to itself rather than a means of coming closer to God. I want to eat some meat. I want to, you know, put on a ceremony in the temple. I want to do a couple of rituals. That's at its, and it's very emphatic. I mean, it has a bunch of rules. But then in Jeremiah 7, God's telling you, that's not what I want from you. That's not what I asked for. It's not what it's about. It's not about the noise and the fanfare. It's about the outcome, the end of that means. But this did I command them, saying, Obey me so that I am your God and you are my people and you walk in all the ways that I command you so that it may be well with you. That's the goal. The goal is to be on God's side not to have all this dirtbag politicking. You know, I, I feel bad. We all I- inevitably engage in things we probably shouldn't in politics. Politics is not it, something you should enjoy, it's the outcome, it's what you're trying to achieve. But we have a bunch of sacrifices. And I don't mean in terms of self sacrifice, because that we don't see. All this grifting, all this, and even if it's not grifting, just noise making. But we come full circle where, you know, we kind of act like them. Okay, so we have our adulterers, our homosexuals, our this, you know, Bruce Jenner's. Because we want to own the libs, own the libs. It's always, well, at least I'm not the libs. No. You need to get on God's side, attempt to get on his side, come close to him so that he will bless your efforts. And then you actually put in some effort. But they did not obey, nor did they incline their ear, but walked according to their own counsels, and in the view of their evil heart, and they went backwards, not forwards. Backwards, not forwards. Isn't that amazing? When you take the means and make it the ends, you look at this time, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I would die to go back to Obama's last two years. I mean, after eight years of Obama... Fiscally, socially, security-wise, illegal alien numbers, freedoms, you name it. And again, this is true of everyone, of every Republican presidency, control of Congress. Trump is no different in that respect. I think it made it even worse in some respects. But we just come away with, wait, at the end of the day, what did we benefit we have a lot of banging, a lot of noise, a lot of pots and pans, but you look and and, and you say, wait a minute, we went backwards, not forwards. How did that happen, and how do we get on the right side? So first, I want to talk about the crime aspect. The crime aspect, v- very, very important here. So yesterday, I said on the show, we talked about how the, uh, the one who stabbed uh, Rand Paul's Staffer, and it, it thankfully does appear like he'll recover on Capitol Hill. There's grown crime there on Capitol Hill. He was a repeat violent offender let out early. And I speculated, I was wondering, was he let out from Trump's first step act? And indeed, he was. Fox News reported he was let out by Trump's um, uh, Trump's uh, first step act. that allows them to serve like the bottom one third of their sentence on so-called supervised parole, which obviously isn't very supervised. It's a joke. Oh, we're going to have all these recidivism programs, and we're going to magically teach them to be good citizens. And it's only for nonviolent. But really, I warned at the time, yes, it's for violent, because that's why they're in federal prison. And that was before January 6th. Yes, they are repeat offenders. And no, there's no magical programs here. Uh, if they are, they're written by Soros organizations, and they're like c- critical race th- theory, and there's no evidence that they're even in- enrolled in them. They just straight up get good time, and that's what we we predicted would happen, and indeed, that's what did happen from uh, Government Accountability Office documents that I have seen. But I was the last man standing on that. This is a fundamental issue. This was an issue, and what's important is Trump himself was actually – He's taken every position of every issue within a day. But that issue dating back to his books in the 80s and 90s was very consistent. He was a lock-them-up type of guy. He really was. But, but still, this is how weak he is in terms of governing. He gave over his White House to Kushner, Kardashian, and Van Jones. And he went much farther than even Obama wanted to. But unlike Obama, who couldn't convince our side to join, he got everyone to stand down. I was the last man standing on this issue. And and by the way, relatedly, I just want to say that the First Step Act consumed most of the legislative calendar November, December, the last months of the GOP trifecta. The last months when we could have been doing so many things. Election fraud, motor voter, no, it was done on promoting one of the most harmful Democrat priorities. And I don't have the link in front of me, but I will tell you, remember when Wiki, WikiLeaks came out, all those leaked cables, and it was found that Soros' top priority was de-incarceration, criminal justice deform, and Trump championed the Coke soros agenda like nobody before. I, I can't walk away from that. I lived it and no one cared. And now everyone's like, "What the heck? All these people being let out. How is the guy, yeah, we, we kind of warned you. It fell on deaf ears. We begged and begged and begged. And our people were playing in a way game. Kushner and sort and 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 the coke people he brought in Rollins and Jerome Smith and and uh, the obviously Van Jones and Kim Kardashians rear end. They had his ear. We did not. And again, I'm trying to play up the fact that I think deep down, this is an issue he consistently felt strongly about and was on our side. And still, we went backwards, backwards, not forwards. It's not just, okay, look, it's tough. Your limited powers is present, which I understand, which is why I don't put all my eggs into the presidential election. Very few of them. I'm focused more state and local. But he gratuitously gave them victories that they could have never achieved. Hillary wants to let people out of jail if she were president? Are you kidding me? Republicans would have blocked that in three seconds. But our people have no views. They're there for the party. It's okay when our guy does it. This is very important to bring up now that Trump once again, after he was kind of quiet for a year or so, is just Capturing the minds of the people, we need to actually foment any sort of, you know, modern day revolution in terms of anything ranging from making red states red again, state legislative activity, county activity, primaries with with governors and things like that to national divorce. They're all captivate, captivated by a man who Soros and coked more than anyone else. So I want to give you just the next ten minutes or so, just a snapshot. Of, of what actually happened then, as we see a Rand Paul Stafford, Rand himself supported it, a, a t- almost killed, and it was a miracle how he was saved by someone released because of Trump. Because of Trump. First, our other sponsor today is Jace Medical. It's not a question of if, but when they will create another virus and screw us, and then you can't get a hold of medications. And to begin with, even now, there are so many shortages. Um, The chief pharmacy officer of Utah, Aaron Fox, recently said, we're in a situation right now where patients may be going to the pharmacy counter and not being able to fill their prescriptions. So right now, Jace Medical has a Jace case. That is a life-saving pack of five antibiotics for emergency use, from doxycycline and amoxicillin to azithromycin. Uh, The latter was very much part of the COVID protocols. And... If you go to jaysmedical.com, you fill out a questionnaire so they could write you a legitimate prescription. Um, they have to make sure there's no contraindications, obviously. And then, boom, you will get it mailed to your uh, house pretty quickly. Actually, mine came pretty quickly. Use promo code REVIEW at checkout for a special discount. Again, at Jays Medical. Make sure you are empowered to care for yourself and your loved ones during this crazy time of the Fourth Reich. So you go straight into this. I live this, but I want to give you um, my buddy Pedro Gonzalez put an off-the-record quote from a senior former Trump White House staffer. I actually have an idea of who it probably is, but that's not the point. It perfectly encapsulates what I remember, what, what we lived through, as you consider his rhetoric at these rallies and looking forward to another Trump presidency, which to begin with, it's kind of hard to envision him winning a general election. But, you know, putting that aside, we should be more concerned, you know, even before electability, just about who he is. Senior White House officials Kushner, Rollins, and Jerome Smith, driving the First Step Act, failed to grasp the basic legal implications of some of their proposals. They took Coke talking points and worked with Cut50 and the ACLU to weaponize, weaponize a legislative package. What does that mean, weaponize? Any individual Republican or any conservative organization that opposed them were subjected to the same kind of pressure campaigns. You see, on the left, the White House would target their donors, freeze access to the White House. Or outside fundraising events and would threaten organizations with public humiliation. They cowed conservative Activists and GOP members into submission. Worse still, the policy formation inside the White House was almost exclusively motivated by racial grievances and race-based electoral concerns. The First Step Act aligned with the left and leftist groups like the ACLU because it confirmed their priors about our legal system being one designed to oppress black men. The Trump White House and its leading advocates for the First Step Act We're happy to claim that our justice system was racist and we're and we're certain that the First Step Act would deliver immediate and lasting electoral votes for Trump, no matter the consequences for American neighborhoods. And I want to just say. I could tell you certain prominent publications. They would spike columns that raise concerns. People were paid to write in favor of it. It was literally a full bore. Imagine you spend the final months of your trifecta, MAGA, Trump, Messiah, greatest thing since sliced bread, viciously attacking your own base to promote one of the most destructive, radical, and pathetic agendas that was worse than Dukakis. I lived this. This is not just some, like, ex post facto Googling. Of, oh, well, you kind of did this or that. Those of you who are with me at the time, remember, I wrote, like, a, you know maybe two dozen articles on this. Did a number of shows. Remember, the, the staffer says, and, and this guy worked for Trump. Trump promised to be the guy who would back the blue and execute drug dealers. Instead, he essentially affirmed the underlying narrative that the left constructed around Ferguson, Baltimore, and Staten Island. Trump didn't execute any drug dealers. He let them out on compassionate care. Um, And that's the thing. Everyone thinks, oh, it was was Floyd. Now, first of all, Floyd was under Trump, and the same racial grievances and the same Brooke Rollins and Jerome Smith and Kushner got him to stand down during the riots for weeks on end. He only stepped it up when it went literally to the White House in D.C., but when it was in other cities, he did nothing. Wouldn't call in the National Guard like H.W. Bush did. He was the biggest leftist on crime in American history. And again, I don't think he, he is. So a lot of people look at his rallies like, Danny, come on, he, he, after everything that was done to him, I'm sure he's gotten the message. I'm sure he's going to be better. No. He doesn't understand policy. He doesn't understand personnel. He, he gets easily convinced. You're going to win the black vote this way. Racial grievances. It was pathetic. I hate to say it but there was a group of um kind of hardcore trump supporters during the 2016 primary 2015 2016 and they had this meme that was kind of crude called cuckservative and basically the idea was that the legacy conservative movement not just always lost but relished losing and losing honorably, and all they want to do is lose and never accomplish anything. And they would kind of draw these political cartoons. And, you know, they were racially kind of implied. And um, it was, you know, there's kind of maybe a quasi-white nationalist group involved in, in some of this. And they would basically show, depict um, the conservative movement like a guy that... uh they would show like a burly kind of black gangbanger or like an MS-13 type of guy raping his wife, and 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 he enjoys it, downright enjoys it, relishes in it, uh, much less you know tries to combat it. That was the narrative, and and I, I felt guilty at the time because I actually, I mean, it, it does perfectly depict the Republican Party and the conservative movement for decades. That that really is what they were, except. At the time, I warned. I was like, dude, I hate to say it, but that is what Trump is. And it turned out Trump was that on steroids. That's exactly what he was. It was pathetic. Utterly pathetic. Embarrassing. And I'll tell you, I am proud that Conservative Review was the only organization with a legislative scorecard we scored against that bill. You know, the American Conservative Union, those losers, they scored for it. And I'll tell you what I wrote at the time. I'm going to try to make this quick because I do want to get to our guest. A conservative approach to criminal justice should be rooted in downgrading nebulous, overcriminalized regulatory crimes while getting tougher on those who harm other people and fuel the, viol- fuel the violence in our major cities. Unfortunately, far from applying only to low-level nonviolent first-time offenders, as proponents suggest, the First Step Act offers front-end and back-end leniencies in sentencing and time served for many hardened criminals, including criminal illegal aliens. The legislation reduces mandatory sentences for many of the worst repeat drug traffickers targeted by federal prosecutors during the worst drug crisis in American history, every repeat Drug traffickers subject to mandatory minimums, including high-level international cartel officials, will benefit from reduced mandatory sentencing regardless of their prior criminal history. Expands the safety valve, which allows judges to avoid the mandatory sentencing altogether to include people who potentially have significant criminal history. Offers numerous back-end early release programs that apply retroactively so that many drug traffickers and many other dangerous criminals in the federal system can serve at least one-third of their sentence in home confinement or full release into parole. Roughly 4,000 felons, including those with extensive records of violence and gang membership, will be eligible for immediate release when this bill becomes law. Um, Many conservative organizations and activist groups supported this legislation under the belief that participation in the training and education programs required to qualify for early release will help reduce recidivism for ex-convicts and lower crime in the long term. However, that optimistic belief in criminal justice reform principles glossed over the actual text of the bill and the nature of the prison system. Um, the federal prison population is only about 10% of the nationwide incarcerated population. You know, I go on to just show how it's, it's already going down, yada, yada. Um, proponents of the bill say convicts must participate in recidivism reduction programs in order to obtain early release, but these programs are ill-defined as productive activities. Um, and I go on and on and on, and I note how... Tom Cotton had an amendment to exclude sex offenders and violent criminals. It was voted down. So that was a straight up admission that it did include those people. And indeed, Paul, the Rand Paul staffer attacker, um, was a sex criminal. He forced women into prostitution. And there you go. And I end off the conservative prison reforms pursued by President Ronald Reagan in the eighties strengthened sentencing laws and led to a significant drop in crime across all categories of offenses. In the nineteen nineties, the first step act embraces an imposing philosophy of criminal justice and takes a step backward in protecting Americans from violent criminals. Um, it was very long. Typically, you know, you have like a one paragraph description of a vote, but I did a whole essay just because you know we were the only conservative group doing it. Trump was president. Trump was pushing it, and I had to make the case very carefully. It's one of our proudest moments. And so I I just want you to know, like, there's a lot of new people discovering me. Hey, who's this Daniel guy? Oh, he was always an anti-Trumper. He supported Cruz. He did it. But those of you who are with me know my game. I'm not about any one politician. I'm not even about the presidential election. The same thing I am doing now with state legislatures, like, you know, really focusing on it. Activism. Here's what we need to do. Here, you know, always I flag bad things and I give a vision broadly what we should be doing. Both, you know, broad policy, specific legislation, any issue of the time and current events. What we should be doing about it. You might agree with me, disagree with me, but I'm always detail oriented, always positive and forward looking while critiquing what's going on. So I did that same thing for all four years of Trump's presidency. Hey, this is good. Keep it up. Hey, this is a problem. Come on, Trump, you're better than this. You know, that's what I did. That's what I'm gonna continue doing. So nobody else could point to a record like mine where I engaged every major issue and laid down a marker marker. And 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 unlike some people who are like, DeSantis needs needs to single handedly like shoot at NYPD to save Trump. I never pushed Trump into oncoming traffic. I always did things that were achievable policy, legally, and messaging-wise. The things that we proposed. And this was simply just don't for free. I mean, they literally, they had all three branches, and they passed the biggest mass incarceration of violent criminals. Again, before January 6th, with rare exceptions, and, and they're going to be politically targeted. But generally speaking, in terms of street crime, federal prosecutors don't target low-level criminals. Now they do, but, but those are prima facie. They're very self-evident with the political targeting. But in terms of the firearms and the drugs and the gangs, they're the ones responsible. Typically what will happen is the local prosecutors will, will work with the feds and say, look, these 10 people are just kind of evading justice catch and release, constantly circul- circulating in and out of the Cook County, Chicago you know, criminal justice system, hit them up on the mandatories with drugs and firearms, and you know, these guys are the ones committing all the murders, and lock them up. They let them out, and now we're suffering the consequences. So that's a very quick, and because you know, I want to get to our guest, that is a very quick synopsis Of what we dealt with on crime, how we slid backwards, and how only Trump, because of the adoration of him among conservatives and the control that he wielded among conservative commentators and influencers and organizations and donors, that's what we dealt with. Just keep that in mind as you look towards a Trump second term. So we discussed crime. Now let's move on to the other C, Trump and COVID. Okay, crime and COVID. Two big things in life, and we slid backwards, not forwards. It could truly be said that the first three years of Trump were run by Jared Kushner, and the last year of that administration was run by Fauci and Burks. And we can't forget that. We cannot forget that this wasn't just some sort of irrevocable, immutable decision like shooting a bullet out of a gun that, you know, everything that March 16th is just put into motion and you couldn't yank it back. No, it was more like a kind of a gradual hill. At any given moment, it could have reversed, reversed, days, weeks. Obviously, we just crossed the anniversary of, you know, after the 15 days, but the 30 day, additional days to slow the spread. But even after that, you know, well into the rest of the year, whether it's on the fiscal Policy of COVID and, you know, funding the lockdowns with several more pieces of legislation he could have blocked, whether it is, you know, still saying his lockdown saved people, I think into 2021, he was saying that. And then obviously, of course, the vaccines, which to this very day, I mean, oh, my gosh, I don't have time to get into the news on nursing babies. uh, and, And there's evidence from European documents, European Medicines Agency. They have a bunch of documents out now. There is some evidence of neurological damage passed into children that are nursing that destroys an entire generation that should serve as a control group. You know, you'd think they didn't get the shot. They were just born. This is crazy, and yet there is no sense of change in direction from him. So I want to discuss this with our next guest, and this is kind of the week where I'm atoning for my sins of... Not having on people I should have had on for three years, but it's just you know there's just so many good people on. One of the keys, uh, uh, key drivers of this discussion has been Jeffrey Tucker. He's the founder of the Brownstone Institute, which is really the first think tank um, born out of this COVID fascism and drive for uh, you know to coalesce a movement around medical freedom. At the beginning, he was still uh, writing at the American Institute for Economic Research and and driving. The narrative with us on lockdowns from day one um, on fr- really talking about the freedom, the liberty, the legal, the moral case for for what we were advocating. His most recent of many books is Liberty or Lockdowns. He wrote uh, pretty early on in this uh, mm. dilemma. You could you could get that at Amazon and you can also find his columns at the Epic Times in addition to his writing at Brownstone and follow him on Twitter jeffrey a tucker well jeffrey it took us about three years to get you on but it's better late than never welcome well
1: you know here we are together but you know we've been overlapping in our commentary for three years
0: really and in some ways maybe we didn't need to talk (laughs) that's what i figure it's like it was so crystal clear um you know obviously everything you're putting out is it was dead on the money but more than talking about data and science and medical freedom I want to talk about Trump, and it's it's everything I don't want to talk about, because for three years, we just wanted to talk about the issue and outcomes. I don't care about the people, But the problem is now it's getting in our way. And I feel we need a reckoning on this. Uh, you know, those who think this was just, yeah, you know, look, this was a very tough issue. It was a unique thing in the history of humanity. Um, any, anyone would have gotten fooled and taken into it. Uh, could you kind of take as much time as you want to give us the broad spectrum view you've done a lot of research you've read through Mike Pence's book and Burke's book um what sort of role did he play March 2020 and beyond in covid fascism Uh I think it was crucial you know you have to sort of
1: do a counterfactual history if it had been Democrats that had done this there would have been screams from half the country. You know, you're imposing socialism on us, tyranny, this is awful. But if they could convince Trump to do it, it was great, because that meant that it would confound the base, right? I mean, many Trump supporters just went along with it because, hey, Trump's doing it, it must be the right thing to do. Um, And so for the biosecurity network that was trying to sort of unleash its control and try out its experiment on the human population. <clears throat> Trump was the ideal one to do it. Uh, the, the problem was, how do you persuade a guy who was convinced that he was the cause of the greatest you know, economy in U.S. history, came into office, wanting to make America great again, and blah, blah, blah. How do you convince that guy? to destroy American rights and liberties, wreck the economy for years to come, and doom his own presidency. Like, how do you do that? And uh, uh, especially, especially since he, he, would already, he was already sort of tweeting that. I mean, he, he, in January, he did shut down travel from China. But at the same time, he was congratulating Xi Jinping for uh, his great response to COVID, right? So so you had both things operating at once. As late as March 9th, he was still of the opinion that this this was a flu that would come and go. Um, by March 11th, he was bragging about how we're gonna marshal the full power of the government to achieve victory over the virus. So that that all happened. I've isolated the date, March 10th, as, as the, the real turning point. Um, and before I go into that, I just wanna remind your listeners about what he actually did. So it's a thing about which he bragged forever that he turned off the economy and shut all bars and restaurants in the country. The edict of March 16th, the precise words Daniel were that all indoor and outdoor venues where people congregate should be closed. Okay. That's an exact quote from a CDC a printout that he released at his press conference on March 16th. So that is, is, is what uh, Trump did. Now people tell me, Oh, he didn't have the power to shut anything down. Okay. That's true that that edict was completely in violation of the constitution. The president can't shut down the economy. It's ridiculous, but we do have to kind of go back and remember that we were under emergency rule at the time. We'd never faced anything like this. It was quasi-martial law. We don't know what the rules were. The governors didn't know what the rules were. What happens if they defy the federal government? Uh, What happens when the local public health departments are doing something opposite from the CDC? Do they get their funding cut off? Do they get arrested? You know, what happens? Exactly what role did the FBI have in uh, spying on restaurants that stayed open or hair parlors, or whatever. We didn't really know, not to mention the fact that the courts were not acting at the time. Think back, Daniel. Yep. What court did anything to stay these orders? Like, where were the courts? They did nothing.
0: When we needed them most, they weren't there. A lot of people are talking about recent court rulings the last year, but unfortunately it was after most of the damage was done with the vaccine mandates That's and right. things like that.
1: That's right. So the courts were, were also, the courts were shut, just like the schools and everything else. So we had de facto martial law in this country. And you see nowadays all the Trump supporters going, oh, well, he, didn't, he couldn't control what the governors says. The governors said shut down. Oh, well, I mean, on, on order from the federal government, it was unclear, really, at the time, yeah. uh, w- whether uh, the, the FBI was going to enforce these edicts. I mean, certainly Trump, believed that he had the power to do this he wasn't correct about that but defined the federal government's edicts and an an edict so extreme i'm unable to find any historical record of any government in the history of the world who ordered all indoor and outdoor venues within its single jurisdiction where people can congregate to close so that includes homes, in churches, not just bars, restaurants, hair parlors, and bowling alleys, but uh, but your own home, you couldn't have, uh, you couldn't open up to, to guests, and others and states codified that, <clears throat> and hospitals, people congregating in hospitals, so those closed too. Uh, Daniel, I'm unaware of any government in the history of humanity that has issued such a, a totalitarian action uh, in such words. And that happened under Trump. So that's just that's just the fact. Yep. Now, how did it happen? Um, now, there are a number of stories about this. You'll find other partisans of Trump now that just want to blame uh, Fauci and Birx. Um, well, okay. I mean, there's a number of answers to that. Uh, one is that he could have just, not listen to them. (laughs) That would have been one thing. Uh, He didn't even know who this Burks lady was. She was she came out of the AIDS world and and was suggested to Trump by his own national security advisors at the time. So uh, and Fauci, I guess he respected him because he was a government bureaucrat for for decades and decades. But he didn't seek other advice either. You know him. He didn't call up. yes. Any one of the thousands and thousands of medical professionals, public health officials, epidemiologists, virologists, you know, anybody he didn't call anybody. So why didn't he, why didn't he just get on the phone and call somebody else? And
0: and, and I want to just um, accentuate that point that you just made. Yeah. Again, let, we're kind of like reliving it this year. That's what we've been, been doing this March, the month of terror yeah. um, from three years ago, March, it's March 30th today. So, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm. I was going back into my archives. People like me, you, Jordan Shackle. I mean, we had a whole group of people, and 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 we had ties to people that really were very MAGA, very much were in with Trump. I mean, you know. So again, you could say that March 16 didn't know what to do. He, he thought he was, um, you know, not take being serious enough. So he wanted to overcompensate and whatever. Okay, fine. You know, the world wouldn't have ended from one two weeks worth. But by March 30th, we had a wealth of information about who's pushing this, why, where. Well, we don't know everything we know today, and we knew the absurdity from an epidemiological standpoint. We knew all of this. So what happened at that point? Did he seek counsel from others?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, just to roll back slightly, we could do three hours of podcast or thirty hours. But uh, we knew from February that the of the age gradient of this virus. We knew that we had uh, medical technology to deal with the sick. These articles that were by doctors and by serious professionals were appearing throughout February and and venues such as Psychology Today, and Slate, and Salon and the Washington Post, and the New York Times. So so there, there, there was no absence of information by the time the lockdowns came along. So from everything I can piece together, Daniel, and I would be happy for you to contradict me, I'm pretty sure that I know what happened on March 10th to cause him to flip in the other direction. Um, and I think it was uh, it was Kushner and, and, and Fauci and Burks. And a handful of other
0: uh, people turned out to was uh, the Pfizer guy. was you know, the FDA said, administrator.
1: Well, we know for sure that they were in close contact on on March uh, 14th and 15th. That that much we know for sure. Who was surrounding him on the 10th when he flipped? Um, uh, I, I, I think it was Michael. Pottinger, there were a number of people around him at the time. There's a whole network of these biosecurity people. And they said to him, Mr. President, your tweet yesterday, March 9th, in which he said, this is a flu, it's going to come and go. That tweet is wrong. We are now very aware of something that we can't tell anybody else. So you just have to see, imagine a scene from Get Smart with a cone of silence descends, right? <laughs> and they tell him, this is not a regular virus. This is a bioweapon from China. And Uh, that's how come they learned how to deal with it so well. And that's why they had such an extreme response, because they know that it's extremely deadly. We don't know the effects of it. And we don't want to panic the population. We can't talk to anybody. That's why they didn't call any other doctors. That's why they didn't call any other experts, Mm. because he was suddenly let in on the great secret. This is the bioweapon. He's also let in on a second great secret, which is that they have already sequenced the virus. The Chinese medical professionals already released the code, uh, we've got pharmaceutical companies working on it, Mr. President. You see how in China, Xi Jinping is now a hero for having shut down the economy and beat the virus. You can do one better. You can shut down the economy like he did. And then you can release the antidote, mm. which is on the verge of coming out. We'll have it in months. I promise you it'll be months.
0: And they sequenced and then, it right away. It was just invented right there in late January. <laughs> that's right. And, and so we're going to have a
1: vaccine for you, and then we just vaccinate the American population. And my God, Mr. President, has there, there, you know, American history lauds the glories of FDR and Wilson and Lincoln. It won't be anything compared to what they'll do for you once you shut down this economy and then distribute uh, 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 600 million vaccines, get everybody vaccinated then life can go on as normal. We'll have a big party and you will go down in history as the greatest president. Now you're hearing that scenario from a Trump point of view, who's already a bit of a germaphobe anyway, right? So he's already preconditioned to be afraid of viruses and doesn't know anything about uh, virology or immunology or anything yeah. like that. Now he's, he's going to go for it. So I think that's, that's what led him to change his mind and why he went into this sort of dark period of silence in which he didn't talk to anybody but four or five, maybe six very close advisors. So uh, 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 that was March 10th. By the 12th, he shut down all travel uh, from, from Europe, Australia, and the UK and New Zealand and led to just a... Dramatic calamity at all international airports. I mean, it tore apart families and ruined all sorts of trips and you know split apart relationships. It was a disaster. Uh, the uh, that was on the 12th, and and that's what triggered the panic. And so, Broadway closed. The NBA season was canceled, and so on. Now that was on a Thursday. Um, on Friday came the document that was. The confidential, of the time released uh, two or three months later from the HHS about which Trump absolutely knew, which transferred the power of policy making from the CDC and the public health establishment to the um, to the National Security Council and later to the Department of Homeland Security. So it became a completely militarized security uh, response. On, on, on Friday, that was a, a big turning point. And that document's on the Brownstone site uh, right now. You can read it. Uh, CDC was not in a position of, 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 uh, of making policy at that point. And then on the 14th and 15th is when they fleshed out, you know, the details of what the lockdown would look like um that was with Kushner and Burks and Kushner's two friends from the data industry and Scott Gottlieb from Pfizer. They had it all worked out. I, I love Lee that by it. the way.
0: How there wasn't a single we used to call him the inspector gadget. There wasn't a single issue he didn't know. So he whatever the issue, it could be crime, immigration, economy, you know, foreign policy, this virology, whatever it was, his business associates were brought in. I know, right? And, and, and they were, and, and I've got their names on the,
1: on the website. I forget their names right now, but they, they were both just data professionals, right? I mean, these people who scarf up your data and, and, and sell it again. But, but they were the ones, according to Kushner, who wrote the March 16th uh, di- directives uh, that were released to the press at the time. The one saying all indoor and outdoor venues where people congregate close, have to close. You, you would think that at least one reporter present that day in that room would say, "Uh, Mr. President, is this constitutional? (laughs) (laughs) Can you actually do this? Not one person raised a question about it. Not one. Well, you know, he was told two weeks. uh, Presumably he was tricked in that respect. Yeah. I guess. Maybe. And, and, and I'm fine with it, um, and
0: I know we're truncating, truncating a little bit, and I should have left you a little bit more time, but I want to go on to kind of summarize yeah. the ensuing weeks and months in, in this. Yeah. So supporters yeah. and opponents of the president, the, the good thing about Trump is you always have something to hang your head on because at any given point he'll say the opposite thing. So what yeah, I yeah. saw throughout the number those number of months for the remainder really the remainder of 2020 into 2021 is that rhetorically he was all over the place from saying this is stupid we need to open up to saying you know Sweden was terrible uh, Brian Kemp was terrible but then when it came to actual policy outcomes what he whether he knew or didn't cared or didn't his admin was going full force the whole time you know pissing on DeSantis Trump later praised him and now he you know went back the other way but you know they were pressuring the heck out of governors to keep this up I mean we're talking about March 14 16 20 I'm talking about months I'll later, later. months later
1: even even in June he was condemning Sweden for not having lockdown, praising himself for having saved millions of lives uh, really uh, pushing the lockdown story and attacking uh uh, florida and uh, of course governor camp and so on and then texas and to keep this in mind too and i i i ask, i've asked this question a thousand times at what point during 2020 did trump ever issue an edict on the level of that which he had issued from the 13th to 16th Mm. that reversed the lockdown where is the executive order where is the repeal of the emergency legislation where is any kind of statement or order or edict or anything uh, that compares to what mm. he did uh, that weekend in the middle of March? And the answer is, it doesn't exist. So he never opened in the same way that he closed. Now, he sent out some tweets saying, open Rishagrand, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I do, there's so much to talk about. One quick point we also need to clarify here. Everybody throws this thing in, uh, at me that he said he wanted an Easter opening. Remember
0: that? Yep.
1: Okay. He said that before the, two, the initial two weeks were over, and Easter was still weeks away. Okay. What that meant was that he was signaling to everyone that it was going to go on longer than the 15 days. Now, when Fauci and Burks heard that, they weren't going, oh, no, we can't open by Easter. What they said was, aha, we've got him now. He has already committed to the idea that he's willing to stay closed longer than two weeks. So they were going to go back to him and say, we want another two weeks. After that announcement of the great Easter opening, they went further and asked for another 30 days. He immediately went to a press conference. He granted it, went to a press conference and said, we're going we're to lock down for another 30 days, during which time we're going to develop all sorts of new habits about social distancing that will uh, help us into the future. We're going to stop shaking hands with each other. We're going to socially distance forever. We're going to work from home forever. And he was all in with the lockdown story. So that whole Easter opening thing is not what – uh, his uh, fans say about him. Uh, let's jump really quickly forward to July and August. It was the BLN riots that finally made him realize that uh, maybe he uh, had been uh, sold a bill of goods because suddenly everybody, you know, throughout all the lockdowns just to protest. We had for- the
0: greatest mass gatherings in American history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until
1: everybody was told to lock back down again for the election. Well, that's what shattered him. And he finally gave a call to Scott Atlas, who, you know, God bless him, happened to be on Fox News all the time going on about the absurdity of the pandemic response. Well, Scott spent, you know, about a week or two with him, teaching him all about the virus and about social order and about how you can't lock down an economy and all the devastating damage that would have. Well, Scott convinced Trump. Now, Trump at that moment, could have issued an edict saying that, everybody has point. to open up,
0: and, and I just want to I just want to frame this because we were talking about crime, and it, it's amazing the way you're framing this. It's it's true of many other issues where I almost wish Trump were a fraud and a hundred percent believe the other way because then maybe you can convince him. The thing is, naturally, he is inclined to us with a lot of things, but he's so easily pressured because he doesn't understand policy so people just come to him and then boom he'll flip and he'll flip so so even after we so we thought oh my gosh okay we finally we got atlas atlas actually made his debut at the blaze then Mm. fox picked him up and that's how trump you know that's where trump got his news from not from his Mm. briefings or you know got it from fox okay awesome Scott, i didn't realize your role on that i thought it was over i thought it was over but like we saw so many other times in the admin with other issues even when we'd reach that stage where we would get our guy, it wasn't like Trump would be like, yeah, this is where the truth is. Get out of here, you idiots. No, it would be like the Hunger Games. He would sit back and make our guys slug it out perpetually with yeah. their guys.
1: Yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's right. And then, and then of course, soon after that, uh, Trump himself got COVID and Looked uh, like an idiot. went to hospital and, and then and then got out and said, hey. Uh, now I have natural immunity. He got that from Atlas, of course. And don't be afraid of COVID. Yeah, okay. Didn't disclose,
0: no. by the way, what he was treated with, and that's another can of worms. Uh, that is, I don't even know the answer to that
1: one. That's really interesting. Well, one yeah, one thing is the,
0: the Regeneron, the, the monoclonal antibodies, um, you know, he felt it did wonders. This was, what, October? It wasn't made popular until much later with DeSantis in Florida, yeah. and that okay. that was very surprising how that was kept quiet i mean it was in the media yeah. if you looked for it there are some that say he was treated with some other things it is it is on the public record in the media he was treated with famotidine which is um pepcid which was one of the kind of protocols of, of a lot of the doctors um and that was not a big message like wait a minute guys this was great imagine if i would have gotten that before my blood oxygen level dropped yeah no, that was Kenny, not a message and, you know
1: and they blocked all kinds of early treatments from early on because they wanted it to be a vaccine-only yeah. uh, uh, solution, and so you couldn't get hydroxychloroquine, you couldn't get uh, uh, ivermectin. But they took all that stuff off the market uh, a month earlier to make this this whole vaccine rollout to you know be the, the magic bullet. Well, after he got out of the out of the the hospital. Um, he decided that this, this COVID thing was, was, was exaggerated. Well, look, you know, it's as if he believes that whatever he thinks at the moment is the whole of existing reality. So he, he decided... Wait, to I love the way you said COVID.
0: that. that I'm saying that, really that is true. so true of so much. He believes that yeah. whatever he sees and thinks at the moment, which often is put in front of him by the media that he claims to hate, is right. the entire universe.
1: The whole of the reality. So he started going on. It's, down, it's got an election coming up. So um, uh, And th- this is now we're already, you know, we're in October and, and, and first few days. So all of his rallies during the four weeks leading up to uh, the election never mentioned COVID. He just made fun of it. Oh, COVID, COVID, COVID. That's all I want to talk about. Let me tell you what I want to talk about. You remember, you remember when he tried to make a big issue? You remember this? Before the election? Shower heads, yeah. The fa- the fact that your bathroom fixtures don't work, okay, that is a very important. And, issue. and we love that.
0: Ever, but I've it's like, dude, you're. I couldn't go anywhere and breathe without a diaper on my breathing holes. Yeah, our,
1: Daniel, our towns, all across the country, coast to coast, were in shambles. The kids weren't in school. The businesses were boarded up. People were in trauma. You couldn't go to funerals. You couldn't go to weddings. The whole country was in shambles beyond which we had ever seen in this country's history. Maybe during the civil war, it looked like that. And what did Trump do? He ignored everything. He ignored it all. He pretended like it never happened. This man's capacity for denial is legion. And to, you know, and, and this was leading up to the election. I like, ah, forget about COVID. I forgot about COVID, you should too. Well, wait a minute. Our downtown is all boarded up. My kids can't go to school.
0: And, uh, and the ones that tr- could had to wear a diaper all day. I mean, we were yeah. we had reams of information on mass by then. That had become yeah. a very um a very big liberty problem and there was no leadership. Like he kind of telegraphed the message that he didn't like it. But but never led on it. Um, And all the while, the left used the opportunity that he created to build this entire uh, mail in election. You know, people have different opinions on the the results of the election. But I think what we can all agree upon is to the extent there were serious problems. It was first and foremost built off of the irregularity of moving an entire election to mail in. That was his doing.
1: Yeah, it was in entire, so if he complains about voter fraud and all that kind of stuff, which I'm sure it, it was, in fact, a huge problem, and we're still working on trying to fix that, uh, it was a problem created by Trump himself. <laughs> I mean, that's what he did. Now, uh, some people think it was all a plot all along to allow Miller and Putin. I doubt that. I think that once he pulled the trigger on the lockdowns no. and Trump pulled the trigger on lockdowns, everybody sort of jumped onto it.
0: No, this is where you and I are very different from a lot of other people. They view everything in terms of rote politics. They don't like Trump and they wanted to get rid of him. So no, no, no. Actually, they're not scared of him one bit to be like, as you as you demonstrated. Uh, they, our guys, they don't give a damn about life, liberty, and property. All they care about is, well, public and win election. But see, the other side actually isn't like that. It's not just about Democrats winning the election. They have much grander plans. And the biomedical yeah, security yeah. state of the way yeah. they want us to live, um, you know, you'll know, you own nothing, eat the bugs, and be happy, That's this it. was very That's much it. a part of that.
1: Yeah, no, that is exactly right. We were enacting Fauci's vision uh, for the future which is uh, what I've called techno-primitivism. Basically, it's an, you know, a depopulated world.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a depopulated world where we eat bugs, as you say. We don't, we don't fly around here and there. Uh, we don't even drive. Uh, we, just, we just live in our little local communities yep. and forage for food. And the ruling class, the elites, the Fauci's of the world, run everything through uh, technological means. It's not quite socialism, it's not quite fascism, it's something different. This is what Fauci wants. He explained what he wants, a new infrastructure of uh, social existence, in an article in August of 2020. He, under his own name, explains the world that he wants. Depopulated, no pet ownership, get rid of cities, everybody's living under their little local community, social distancing no more baseball games, no more concerts, everything has to go, we have to go back we have to reverse, in Fauci's words twenty-five thousand 5,000 years of history Wow From his point of view everything went wrong once people began to move from place to place and uh, embarked on uh, agriculture so that, that's Fauci's view now, he says, he says, now, I'm realistic. I know we can't go back uh, tens of thousands of years in history, but we can reconstitute the uh, present world to, uh, in light of the experience that we have, which is that uh, if people hang out together and they travel around and they have freedom and, and rights and that, that sort of thing, um, that uh, in that kind of world, we're just only spreading disease. We're only spreading disease. We've got to reconstitute the entire structure of the world uh, in such a way that nobody can ever spread a disease to anybody else. So he wanted this social distancing forever, forever. And he said this in August of 2020. He laid it out. I mean, the conspiracy was available for anybody to see.
0: People can't believe that there's so much evil in these Western bureaucrats. Like I always say, people have an image of evil like North Korea or like a bunch of Al-Qaeda guys dancing around with AK-47s and and masks or something. But no, I mean, these guys are – they have the means and the motive that's so much more – I mean, basically everything I thought Al Qaeda would do to us in the wake of 9-11 with bioterrorism, our government actually did do to us. And we didn't we're just rehashing the lockdowns and that stuff. We didn't even get to obviously the vaccines, which we're all talking about. We're at a time and I feel uh, bad yeah. I filibustered the first part of the show. You, you deserve the whole show. But but, Jeffrey, can you just sew up in the final minute here? What do you hope to do with this techno um, primitivism um, in your work at Brownstone. What do you want to do with Brownstone?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I want to expose uh, the underlying philosophical rationale and the details and the history behind what happened to us because we can't avoid it. I know it's uncomfortable. Nobody wants to think about what happened uh, yep. two years ago. But but until we solve this, until we figure this out, which we are doing and we do every single day, there will be no healing and no chance for a restoration. What does the restoration and the healing look like? I mean... From my point of view, we've got the answer right in front of us. It's called the U.S. Constitution.
0: <laughs> Restoration and healing, get- and, and, and it's still, I mean, people yeah. are just ignoring it. People are dropping dead every day, and it's the next generation. We have the reproductive. We have the nursing babies. I mean, this is this is real, and the cancers, just the short term is, is- – you know, hundreds of thousands of deaths in the U.S., millions yeah. of injuries. You go to the long term. Yeah. I mean, we can go on and on. How yeah. could you walk away from this? Brownstone is one of the greatest things to arise from this terrible, dark period. You could find you, Jeffrey's A. work Thanks. there and the Epic Times at Jeffrey A. Tucker on Twitter. Look, let's do this again soon. I really thoroughly I enjoyed it. Thanks so much.
1: Let's visit again. Thank you so much, for being
0: so, folks, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I would have just done the whole show with him. That was probably a mistake. But, I mean, look at the juxtaposition, uh, COVID and crime, COVID and crime. And I could add many more issues to that. It's the same theme where even where his proclivity is naturally to go with us. But when you don't understand the issue, and, and I forgot the way he framed it, but when what he sees and, and hears at a given moment is, is the totality of his world, that's the problem. Um, that's not going to change in his ripe old age in a second term. And it's the same theme that even though we have a cadre of people that he claims to like and trust, yelping, this is not right, this is not right, we're always playing a, an away game. And the bad guys have home field advantage even in his administration. We saw that with crime and we saw that with COVID. And and again, it wasn't just that you know immediate panic, but... All year, and then even when we finally got Scott Atlas in there, it was just kind of like he just enjoyed the fight. He likes having people fight. No, you need a united front. You could have slight diversity of strategy, but but you all have to share the same values. You can't square Scott Atlas with Burks, Jerome Adams, and Kushner, and 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 certainly Fauci. Uh, this is the problem. I mean, and this is the sort of long form analysis that people aren't willing to do when it comes to Trump. We don't don't have to analyze his rhetoric in in a campaign speech. We lived through four years of the most critical time in our nation's history through his stewardship, and it was terrible. And it was terrible in a very specific way. It's not necessarily that Trump himself is bad on all the issues. It's that even when he's good on the issues and doesn't really naturally like it, he'll be convinced to go in the other direction of, of his original thinking at the drop of a hat by the experts. He is convinced by the experts, uh, TM. And that's what we have to move away from. Man, I, I mean, I wanted to get into the Federal Reserve and his comments on that, and Christopher we will have to save that for tomorrow. Let me know where I'm wrong if you disagree, if you think, man, he's the road to the future. Um, I don't think anyone's the road to the future singularly as president. But what I'm telling you is he slides us backwards, par- paralyzes our people from fighting he 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 gets or the left gets through trump our people to stand down he confounds trump's base uh what democrats themselves are incapable of doing he was capable of doing that is what is so dangerous that is what we need to avoid and we need a reckoning on this just like we need a reckoning on COVID and the vaccines and the biomedical security state itself. Um, Again, if you have a question for Jeffrey, you could always email me, Daniel Hurwitz at starmail.com, at rmconservative on Twitter. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.